This is the Victory Podcast. Every week, we'll share an inspiring message about God's grace and forgiveness for you, wherever you're at in life. Your victory starts now. Last weekend, Simone Biles, a a U.S. gymnast completing in the U.S. National Gymnast Championship, completed a triple-double, okay? And I can tell that you're over and rather underwhelmed about that, okay? And that's because for you and me, we're, we're probably more comfortable sitting on our couches with a remote control in our hand and a, and a bag of chips close by than we are on being on a gymnastics floor. But I want you to know, so what she did, what Simone did is, is she ran across the floor. She vaulted herself into the air. She did three twists and two flips at the same time and landed on her feet perfect. Okay, what I want you to know in an athletic, that was a no way thing. That was amazing. It was the first time any woman had ever done that in competition. I literally have goosebumps right now telling you about it. It was crazy good. Okay, it was a no way moment. Sometimes. No, may, no way moments are, are just kind of the opposite. Instead of being uh, amazing things, they are about her- horrific things. Like about three weeks ago, not far from my son's house in Rochester, Minnesota, there was a two-car head-on collision. All six people in that wreck died. Maybe you heard of it because three of the people who died were of the same family that lived in Waukesha. And when we heard about it, we're like, no way. That's horrible. No way, right? Uh, Sometimes we we say no way when we're asked to do something that we don't want to do. We think it's beneath us, or we maybe say it when it is too big a thing for us to do. We're like, no way, can't do that. So think about it, parents. How many times have you told your children, go clean your room? And and if they were a little bit cocky, they said, no way, right? Maybe they didn't say it out loud, but but they said it by their actions, right? Because they didn't do it. They went off and did something else. No way. Maybe an employee at work is asked to do something that, again, they think is beneath them or something that's too hard for them to do. And so they go, no way. No way. And, and here's one last example. Guarantee, if you go to Pastor Ben and offer him a bowl of jello, he will say, no way. No way. All right. Well, this morning, we're beginning a, a new series, a series based on an Old Testament book of the Bible, the Old Testament book of Jonah. And what we're going to do, we're going to frame this series over the next four weeks. We're going to call this series Wanted. Okay? Wanted. Jonah chapter 1, verse 1, as we dive in. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Pretty simple, straightforward, right? Okay, Jonah. Now, when we name our kids, if, if the name has a meaning, we know about it, right? Because we Googled it or we bought one of those baby books, right? And it listed the name and what it means. But, but back then, the people just named their kids and their names meant something and everybody knew it, all right? So Jonah's name means dove. 
And as we look into the scriptures and we see different accounts of a, a dove, like we see a dove at the time of Noah's ark, how it went and got an olive branch and brought it back. And we see the Holy Spirit coming on Jesus in the form of a dove. So when we think of Jonah and we think of dove, we can rightfully think of peace. Jonah's father's name means truth. Okay, and so what we can surmise is that Jonah is going to present a truth that's outcome, the intended outcome is peace. And so God does send Jonah out. And here's the words from verse two. He says to Jonah, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. Okay. Now today, present day Nineveh, where Nineveh would be at, would be Mosul, Iraq, literally the suburbs of Mosul, Iraq. That's where it'd be geographically. By reputation, back in the day, pretty much everybody knew where Nineveh was at. They, they had heard of it anyway, okay? They might not be able to exactly pinpoint it, but they had heard of it, kind of like Las Vegas today. People all over the world, they may not know exactly where Las Vegas is, but they've heard of it. Well, Nineveh was the sin city of ancient times. Okay. Here's a phrase I heard about Nineveh. I looked at Nineveh and studied this week. It says of that city, it is the city of blood and lies where people stumble over bodies, either killed bodies or drunk bodies. The city of Nineveh was a post-truth city. They, they took themselves as being so enlightened that they, they all knew what they could do. And so they did whatever they deemed to be right and everything that was okay. About the only thing you couldn't do in Nineveh was actually tell somebody that they were wrong. Sound familiar? The people of Nineveh were far, far away from God. As we would look into to Nineveh and see their lifestyle and how they carried on their actions, their thoughts, all of that, we could rightfully say no way can Nineveh be saved. And so if you're filling in the blank, you can go ahead and, and fill it in. No way can Nineveh be saved. They were far away from God. They were not concerned about God. God was nowhere near their hearts. But here is something that's so key. While they were far away from God, understand God was not far away from them. While their hearts were far away from God, God's heart was right there beating for them. And that's why he sent Jonah to them. Now, this is Jonah's response. God says, go to Nineveh. And Jonah responds this way. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. And after paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Okay, so Jonah says, no way. <laughs> no way. God I hear what you're saying. No way. I'm not going to do it. And you can't make me. And so he set sails for this city called Tarshish. Again, geographically, Nineveh's in the north, about 500 miles away. 
and Tarshish is like 2,500 miles to the west. Okay? And as we know exactly where Nineveh is today, Tarshish scholars aren't so sure whether it's like in, in Britain or Spain, but this is what we know from the culture, from the time, the settings, all the readings, is that Tarshish was considered to be the end of the world. Okay, So Jonah's like, ain't going to happen, not going to Nineveh, I'd rather go the end of the world. And so he sets off. Okay, and again, kind of give us a, a little bit more of a grasp of this. As Solomon is doing construction projects during his reign, he would send off the ships to go to Tarshish and bring back uh, goods back from there. And those ships, it would take them three years to do the trip. Okay, so a year and a half, one way and a year and a half is a far way away. Jonah is not sticking around. Okay, and, and scholars tell us there's three reasons maybe why Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh. One, he, he was afraid, okay? Let, let's just be honest, from that reading, a city of blood and lies, and he's a, a foreigner. I mean, imagine you just being placed down into the city with this blood and lies as its reputation, and you're the foreigner. You know, let's, let's cut him some slack. That might be kind of tough, right? Second reason scholars say is because Jonah didn't think that the people of Nineveh deserved grace. So Jonah was self-righteous and, and proud. You know? He thought he had this relationship with God because of who he was, because he was such a good guy. And these people who were far away from God, they didn't deserve God. They didn't deserve his grace, so he wasn't going to go. They don't deserve it. Another reason why scholars submit that maybe Jonah ran away is because Jonah knew that his people needed to repent. And he wanted to share with them the message of repentance instead. He, he wanted the people who looked like him, sounded like him, had the same culture and traditions as he did to repent. He didn't want these people who didn't look like him, didn't act like him, didn't have the traditions that he had, didn't have the culture. He didn't want them to repent. Well, in week four of this series, Pastor Ben's going to let you know exactly why Jonah left. So it's going to have to be like the Bachelor or Bachelorette series. As you go by, you have to try and grab some clues up and, and determine what's the reason why Jonah didn't go. Okay? And there'll be clues along the way. We'll see if, if you get it right at, at the end of the day. The thing I want to share with you right now, though, is you think about Jonah and he's not going to go to Nineveh. They are a different country. They're a, a different people. Who or what is the Nineveh in your life? What is so far away from you? Uh, what kind of, of person is, is so far away from you? Let me, let me just say, you know, as, as Jonah is going away to the ends of the earth, he's running away from the Lord, I just want you to know, and, and me too, right, that if you and I don't love our enemies, okay, if you and I don't love our enemies, what we are doing is running away from God. Are you running from God? We can run away from God uh, by not loving our enemies and in other ways too. Uh, are your finances surrendered to God? Are you give, give them a little bit? You know, your time, 
Is, is that surrendered to God or, or is this your deal, your agenda, your, your heart, your purity? Are we just like Jonah? Are we running away from God? Theologian A.W. Tozer says uh, of this about Christians, okay? It is almost unbelievable how far we will go to avoid obeying God. We call Jesus Lord and we beg him to rejuvenate our souls, but we are careful to do not the things he says. When faced with a sin, we find it much easier to pray half a night than to obey God. Are you running from the Lord? And and maybe, maybe some here this morning in person, maybe online, watching maybe today or later in the archive as well, um, you're just kind of, you're really skeptical uh, about Christianity. You think you know what Christianity is about, and, and you really don't want that. The only thing is, is you really don't know what Christianity is about. You think you do, but you don't. And in that whole process, what you are doing is you're actually running away from the very thing you do want, the very thing that will bring you peace. Okay? So Jonah's in the boat. He's on the lamb. He's taken off. And this is what happens. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid and each cried out to his own God and they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, how can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us so that we will not perish. Remember, they're on this big ship. It is a sturdy ship. This ship is going to be sailing at least for like a year and a half straight, right? It is strong. It is sturdy. But right now in the middle of this storm, it is creaking and groaning. And the sailors and the captain are afraid this ship is going to shatter. And they start to call on their deaf gods. And nothing happens except the storm continues on. They start throwing off supplies off the ship to try and make the, the ship lighter so it doesn't take on as much water as it's going back and forth. And while all that's going on, Jonah is sound asleep. How can that happen? This storm is threatening to shatter and break apart this ship, and Jonah is sleeping. The sailors are crying out, and they're struggling, and Jonah is sleeping. How can that be? Some of us know. Some of us know how that can be. Because you see, Jonah is physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually running away from God. And to run away from God is exhausting. 
Jonah is trying to get away from God, but wherever he goes, God is already there. Psalm 139 says this, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I rise on the wings of dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. God's present everywhere. And so Jonah's trying to get away from God in any way he can, in his mind, his body, soul, all that. And God keeps showing up because God is everywhere. Kind of think of it this way. Those of you who have toddlers either as children or nieces or nephews or grandchildren, you're playing hide and seek with them, right? Little toddler goes off and hides, uh, maybe even in the same room that you're in, right? It goes, okay, I'm hiding now. Really? You know? And, and maybe they're in a different room even when you walk in and they think they're hidden, but they're in plain sight to you, right? They're in plain sight. And, and you kind of smile and laugh to yourself. I want you to know that, that if you're ever running away from God, God's like, I see you. Yeah. Continues on. Then the sailors said to each other, Come, let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. They cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. So they asked him, tell us who's responsible for making all of this trouble for us. What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? Where is your country? From what people are you? He answered, I am a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. And this terrified them. What have you done? They knew he was running away from the Lord because he had already told them so. These sailors, showing that they too were far away from God, followed the ancient pagan practice of casting lots. They were doing that, hoping that they would get divine intervention. Who is responsible for this? And who can tell us what needs to be done so this storm can stop so that we can live? They go to Jonah, who do you worship? And Jonah's like, well, I, I know that you guys think it's this way, that you guys have a God for this and a God for that, and a God that takes care of this little territory over here and this one over there. And Jonah says, actually, I worship the Lord, the God who is over all, over all, including this sea that is going crazy right now. And the sailors were terrified. No way. No way. We are so reamed right now. And it goes on. Sea was getting rougher and rougher. So they asked him, what should we do to you to make the sea calm down for us? Pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know that it's my fault that this great storm has come upon you. Instead, the men did their best to row back to land. But they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. 
They cried out to the Lord, please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man, for you, Lord, have done as you pleased. Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. At this, the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. The sailors at first, they're going, Jonah said, throw me over and it'll be good. They're going, no way. <laughs> we're not going to do that. If we do that, we're, we're going to make your God, the God over everything, really mad with us. We're not going to do that. And so they started rowing harder and faster than they ever did before. They were also running from the Lord. And the sea grew even more wild than before. And the sailors, they stopped running from God. They said, okay, we're going to do what you said. And they throw Jonah overboard into that raging sea. And Jonah starts to sink and starts to drown. And there's no way he can be saved. After the sailors threw Jonah overboard, it was just a matter of time before that sea grew calm. Their hearts that had been beating a million miles an hour had now calmed down and were back into sinus rhythm. And they worshiped the Lord. They became followers of the true God. Understand that when they got on that ship with Jonah, they were far away from God. They couldn't care less. But now, through this storm, through Jonah, through the word of God that Jonah had presented to them, they now are followers of God. They came to faith. You see, here's the thing, is those sailors who had no idea about this whole Nineveh thing at first, God wanted them to. It's too small a thing for God to only want a certain nation. So God used even the disobedience of Jonah to bring these people to faith. And, and I want you to know, God's wanted people to be saved of all time. Isaiah 56 in, in the Old Testament God says, and foreigners who bind themselves to the Lord to minister to him, to love the name of the Lord, to be his servants, all who keep the Sabbath without desecrating it and who hold fast to my covenant, these I will bring to my holy mountain and give them joy in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and sacrifices will be accepted on my altar for my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. Sovereign Lord declares, he who gathers the exiles of Israel, I will gather still others to them besides those already gathered. Again, God, God uses even the disobedience of Jonah to bring people to him. And, and this is awesome for the sailors. They now believe in the, in the true God. But, but what about Jonah? He's in the sea and he's sinking down 
and he's drowning. No way can Jonah be saved until God steps in and provides a crude rescue plan, right? God sends this big fish, okay? We're not told it's a whale, all right? He sends this big fish, and it swallows up Jonah whole. It's kind of crude, right? I mean, who of us, hey, God, send a big fish and swallow me up, right? But it was a rescue plan. It was a miraculous rescue for Jonah. The last verse of chapter 1 says, Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. And Pastor Ben is going to pick up the story there next week. But before we close, do you know that Jesus makes reference to this rescue plan when he's talking about the greatest rescue plan of all? A plan of rescue for all people. We read about it in Matthew chapter 12. It says, Then some of the Pharisees and teachers of the law said to him, Teacher, uh, we want to see a sign from you. He answered, A wicked and adulterous generation asked for a sign, but none will be given it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it, for they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and now something greater than Jonah is here. See, Jonah was in that fish three days and three nights, and Jesus was going to be in the grave three days and three nights, okay? And, and I know some of you are going Friday night, all day Saturday, Sunday morning. That's not three days and three nights, okay? Just understand that back in that time, in that history, in that culture, that any part of a day counted for the whole day and the whole night. So Jesus is making reference again to what he was going to do to provide rescue for all people, including you. Now, I know that some of you have said in the past, and maybe some of you are saying today, and maybe some of you will say it in the future, no way. Can I be saved? But Jesus is for you. You may be saying, no way, no way can I be saved. I, I really don't know anything about it. It's kind of like the first thing I've heard about, you know. And Some of you are going, yeah, you know, it sounds really good, Bill. It's good stuff. And I, I believe you, he is, he's for everybody but me. Because I blew it. Bill, you don't know how far I've gone. You don't know what I've done. And you're right. I don't. But God does. And, and here's the thing. No matter who you are, who I am, our sin is too big for us. 
but it is not too big for God. See, the the cost of sin is non-negotiable. The wages of sin is death. The amazing, no way good news is God intervened and had his son live and die in our place for all of our sins, for all of our running away from God. In the midst of our running away from God, God still gives us victory over sin, death, and Satan through Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 15 says, death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. What that means is, is no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, you are not left out of God's plan of salvation. So bring all your sins, bring all your running away, bring all those things that have brought you guilt and shame, bring all those things that, let's be honest, you still chuckle about because it was pretty funny. Bring all those things to Jesus because when there is no way, God provides the way. Jesus. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Let's pray. Lord God, as, as we come to you this morning, we kind of reflect back on our lives and things like that. And, and maybe there's a, a Nineveh out there, or maybe there's a, a different area in our life, but we just confess to you, we've been running. We've been running. Maybe it's pride. We've been running. Lord, help us to stop running away from you and to run to you. Lord, we ask that you would lead us to change our minds about those things that we're running after that are away from you. We ask that you would change our minds about those different and and difficult people in our lives and that we would absolutely, positively follow you and love one another, all people, even as you have loved us. We ask this in your name and for your glory, Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Victory Podcast, brought to you by Victory of the Lamb in Franklin, Wisconsin. For video sermon archives, more information about us, and to let us know how we can meet you where you're at, go to Victory of the Lamb dot com.